0: Go to Bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's Bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. You can sign up on my website, zibbyowens.com, under the virtual book club section, or even on Instagram under the link in my bio. I hope you'll find me in all these different channels and enjoy this podcast. Today's episode has been sponsored by SugarWish. SugarWish is an online gifting site that provides a delightful gift experience followed by delicious treats. They get to choose delivered directly to their door. Here's how it works. A sugar wish can be sent to anybody. So if you're the recipient, you open up an email and it says someone has sent you a sugar wish. And you open it up, you click, and it says pick any four of these delicious candies um, to fill your basket. So you get to look through everything from gummy worms and M&Ms and Skittles and jelly beans and everything. Um, And you click and then check out And it's sent to you in this beautiful box with all these candies inside and a ribbon. And it's just beautifully packaged and sent right to your door. And so somebody, basically, you get to customize your own gift. And it's really awesome. And I did this, and I sent some to my son at boarding school, and we got some here for Halloween. And I highly, highly recommend uh, this company. Um, Definitely go check it out, sugarwish.com. Charlotte Wood is the author of six novels and two books of nonfiction, Her latest novel, The Weekend*, won the 2020 Australian Book Industry Award for Literary Fiction and was shortlisted for the Stella Prize and the Australian Literature Society Gold Medal, among other awards. Her previous novel, The Natural Way of Things, won the 2016 Stella Prize, the 2016 Indie Book of the Year, and Novel of the Year, and was joint winner of the Prime Minister's Literary Award for Fiction. Her nonfiction works include The Writer's Room, a collection of interviews with authors about the creative process, and Love and Hunger, a book about cooking. Her features and essays have appeared in the New York Times, The Guardian, LitHub, the Sydney Morning Herald, and the Saturday Paper, among other publications. In 2019, she was made a member of the Order of Australia for significant services to literature and was named one of Australian Finance Review's 100 Women of Influence. Her latest project is a podcast, The Writer's Room with Charlotte Wood, in which she interviews authors, critics, and other artists about the creative process. And also, Charlotte was the inaugural Judy Harris writer in residence at the Charles Perkins Center, a groundbreaking multidisciplinary health research center at the University of Sydney, and has made a seven episode podcast with two of the center's leading scientists, Stephen Simpson and David Rabinheimer, about their 35 years of friendship and research and the resulting
1: book, Eat Like the Animals.
0: Welcome, Charlotte. Thank you so much for coming on. Moms don't have time to read
1: books. Thanks for having me, Zibi, so much.
0: I'm so excited to discuss The Weekend with you. This book was so like lovely and moving and really well-written. And I just, oh my gosh, I was just really looking forward to this conversation. I still think about your character sitting on the side of the road, like whenever I'm getting in my car now, like trapped under an underpass, like too narrow to even get out. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: I'm glad I stayed with you.
0: Yes. Can you please tell listeners what The Weekend
1: is about? Sure. The weekend is about friendship and getting older. And it, the book opens when three friends some people have described them as frenemies, but I think they're, they love each other more than that. They're aged in their 70s. Their names are Jude, Wendy, and Adele. And they come together on a very hot weekend in Australia just before Christmas, which I know is kind of weird for American (laughs) readers to think about Christmas being in the middle of a boiling summer. But in Australia, that's what it's like often. But they come together at the beach house of their fourth friend, Sylvie, who has died just around, I think, a year before the book opens. And they are there to clean out Sylvie's house. And they've been friends for a really long time, for around 40 years. And they, you know, they're kind of, their friendship is is kind of worn by this stage and and worn by grief as well. And they've discovered that, well, they're discovering over this weekend particularly that Sylvie was the one who really held this group together. And without her, they've kind of lost the sense of how to be with each other. They feel that they, you know, they just feel kind of lost to one another. And it's a very difficult time for them while they grapple with their grief for Sylvie and their grief for their friendship that seems to be kind of dissolving in front of them.
0: And what inspired you to write this book? Why these characters? Why this weekend? How did you come up with the structure of it and the whole thing? Why not the month or (laughs) the long weekend or, you know?
1: Yeah, well, the, the reason I wanted to write about these women is that I've always been interested in female friendships and how sustaining they are for so many of us. And I've always had quite intense friendships from when I was very young. And I have, you know, quite a lot of women friends who are, you know, I have I have a really nice husband and my own siblings. But friendships are the thing that kind of propel my days, I guess. And I... My last book, The Natural Way of Things, was about really young women. And it was a very dark and kind of fairly brutal sort of book about misogyny. And I wanted to kind of release myself and my readers from the darkness of that book by... And sometimes I just sort of... The way to get away from a previous book is almost just to flip it and go to something opposite. So that was young women, this is older women. That book was set kind of in the middle of the desert in Australia this book is at the beach on the coast and it's a much lighter book even though the story is about these women sort of having to face the fact that they are in the last, you know, years of their lives even if that's another 10 or 20 years. It's, it's obviously the last phase of their life that they're heading into and they haven't really thought about that properly. And that's one of the things that each of them is sort of grappling with. But I wanted to one of the things I was interested in is how does, how do long friendships sustain themselves or not? You know, I think, you know, I have friends of sort of 25 years standing and I love them, but we have changed a lot over that 25 years. And sometimes I feel that old friendships, we can, we can just sort of park them a bit. We can put them, we can sort of set them in cement in some way and, I feel like we need to be able to have our old friendships move and change and live and be as rich as, as sometimes, you know, when you meet a new person and you kind of fall in love as a friend with this person because they're kind of facing up with the, the contemporary you, where sometimes our old friends, and we all do it to each other, can think, well, no, I know who you are. You're the person that I met. 20 years ago 30 years ago and so I was really interested in sort of casting forward for myself about what kind of woman might I be if I'm lucky enough to reach my 70s and how will that woman live within the friendships of old and what might be the forces at work upon all of us at that point wow
0: you had a, a great quote in the book. You wrote, the 30s were the age you fell most dangerously in love, Adele had discovered after the fact, not with a man or a woman, but with your friends. And you write, lovers back then came and went like the weather. But you said, no, it wasn't lovers, but friends, these courageous, shining people you pursued, romanced with dinners and gifts and weekends away. It was so long ago, 40 years. <laughs> it's so true because usually your life is somewhat set. Friends, I mean, obviously you can get divorced and remarried and whatever, but that's like one or two major changes in your life. But the friends are things you can, they come in and out. I feel like so often at just the right times for what you need.
1: Yeah. And for these women, they they all met, as Adele says, in their 30s. They were, all of them were quite powerful in their professional lives. And a lot of this book is about work, actually, and how women don't just identify with their family identity. They identify with their work. And I feel like in our, the ways that we think about older age in popular culture, in television and in books, often women, older women are just identified by their family roles, by their roles as mothers or grandmothers or whatever, but, or spouses. But often, you know, the women who I know in their 70s are working or wish they were working. You know, they've had very fulfilling professional lives. And these women in my book, Jude was a a restaurateur. She ran the city's finest restaurants. She was one of those sort of very powerful women in the the hospitality world. And everyone wanted a table at her restaurant, you know, in in the city in this book. Adele was a very well-known stage actress and Wendy was a public intellectual um, and sort of globally known as a feminist, academic and intellectual, and her books are still on university lists around the world. So they and in their 30s was, you know, sort of the the really blossoming time of their sort of cultural power. And that that had this kind of blazing allure for all of them. And they came together through various means. And they were this kind of shining little crowd in their in their world. And and now they're looking at each other going, Oh man, I remember when you were so powerful. And now I feel that you're You know, you you might be hiding something, your health isn't great, or you are in a bit of denial about what's going on for you professionally. But they all kind of think about it, think of that about each other while not really facing their own, you know, doubts and and little crises of confidence that they they feel like they can't afford to look at some things that are are creeping into the edges of their vision. But this weekend together... um,
0: Go to Bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's Bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests, even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life. There are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything Visit BetterHelp.com slash Moms Don't Have Time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Moms Don't Have Time.
1: And actually, just going back to your earlier question about why a weekend, it's really helpful, I've found, in fiction to kind of bring in the boundaries of time and space to kind of create pressure on people. And for a book like this that is about, it's about, you know, the kind of internal lives of women where not a lot of dramatic things happen I mean it it does build to some a big crisis for them but you know there are not world events crashing in on these on these women so bringing those uh, those sort of edges of this of the setting in time and space in more tightly allows a sort of concentrated focus and that It's kind of a crucible effect, I hope, that the pressure just sort of builds. And part of that is, is the fact that they are just there, kind of trapped together in this house for three days.
0: And tell me about the writing of it. So you started out and you found the structure that would work for you and what would create the most pressure to exhibit all these wonderful things and goals that you had for the book. How was the writing process for you and how did it differ from your first book? Where do you, do you write right there or how do you how do you do it?
1: I write here in my studio in Sydney. I also write at a house at the coast where the, you know, this town that the town in the book is kind of modeled on. It's a couple of hours north of Sydney and it's a kind of middle-class people's holiday town and that's where Sylvie's Beach House is. I wrote it over a few years. So my previous book, book was the first one i had published in the states but but this is actually my sixth novel a lot of books published in australia before that and i i kind of start usually with a place and this time i get as i said i I knew i wanted to be i wanted to be near the ocean for the kind of i felt like i wanted light and air and weather kind of at my disposal i guess fictionally and i knew it was going to be about friendship so then i just sort of put them in this house together for ages Sylvie didn't exist. I just had these three friends, and I had them in this house, and I don't really plan my books at all apart from this kind of setting, I guess, and they had, were having these kind of fractious moments, and I, I needed to figure out why are they there? You know, they could easily, if they if they are having such struggles with their friendship, why don't they just not go? Or, or And so then I finally hit on the idea of, of Sylvie, and actually because fairly early on in the process of writing the book, a really lovely friend of mine died, um, became sick and died. And she was a writer and she was, her name was Georgia Blaine. And she was very, very loved in this country as a writer. And I was really kind of astonished by my grief for Georgia, my the kind of ferocity of my grief. And she was my first friend who had died and, I, I was kind of like I've been through grief before in my family, but this was really different. And, and I, was, I was kind of slightly, well, I, I felt really overwhelmed by the, the kind of primitive feelings of my grief. And the, the way that I felt like a child and felt so angry and so kind of jealous and it was such a weird series of feelings that I needed to kind of work them out. And and so then, and I knew that Georgia would kind of approve of this way of doing it because she wrote very close to life herself and that I could pour all my feelings about this this sort of unmanageable grief into these women and their feelings for their friend Sylvie and i guess when i said jealousy it's that thing of sort of feeling that i think early on in the book jude jude confesses sort of in her own head that she she was just impatient at hearing about anybody else's death it was sort of irrelevant sylvie was the one who had died and she just couldn't tolerate anybody else, you know, kind of whining about people dying. And she says, "Well, people die all the time, of course they do, but Sylvie, this is this is different." And I think we all, you know, on some level, can feel that sense of ownership and protectiveness of this person. You know, that they are they were had a rich and beautiful individuality that shouldn't be just lumped in with anybody else's and I actually think this is one of the saddest things about the pandemic that you know and you've been through it more than anybody that there is this lumping all these people in together and they they are not like other people so I channeled all that stuff into the story as well and then you know I just sort of observed as much as I could people around me people I see in the street, thinking about my own friendships and how they may or may not change over the next, you know, 20 years. And about how we, I used to think that as we grow older, we necessarily begin to know ourselves better and better. And I'm not sure that's true. I don't think that anymore. And I feel like we can carry on kind of illusions about ourselves forever, but sometimes it's our friends who present us with a really kind of shocking assessment of who we are. And and I was interested in exploring that as well. I'm so sorry about your friend. That's terrible. Mm, and thank you. Did it help? Did the pouring
0: into the characters of all the emotion, did that actually work? I
1: think it did. I think it did in a way that, you know, it didn't go away. I still miss her, but I feel like I kind of honoured her in some way, in a way that she would understand because she was a writer, a fiction writer. And also she was a very funny person. She was very, very, she had a very dark sense of humor. And I, I think that she, you know, I like to think she would have liked this book, but it helped to express some of those things that you feel kind of ashamed of. I don't know if you, if other people do, but I, in, in my grief for her, I felt like I should be more grown up about this. I should be more, you know, I've been through the deaths of both my parents. I've been through other deaths and, and I should know how to do this by now. But I was just kind of, hammered by these very primitive kind of savage feelings and and I think you know sometimes that's what right that's what literature is for is to allow space for these kind of things that are unspeakable that we feel like we're feelings we're not allowed to have that literature is a place where we are allowed to have them
0: it's funny to think about like the bookshelves behind you and everything that in each one is all the feelings that people couldn't say and so we open it up and mm. we're like oh my gosh <laughs> you know it's like poured out like like it's almost like containers like a wall of tupperware
1: almost mm. for
0: everybody's feelings <laughs> it's like I think a container, that's
1: true. container that's, store. yeah and it's private you know it's a private place for us to go to I think unlike television or film or other sort of media a book is such a private space for the reader and the story and I feel like that's why reading is so precious to me because it's it's only me in the book and I mean I know you can watch television by yourself but somehow it doesn't have the same effect because it's in your own head I guess you're not all the pictures are pictures that you make and the, the people are people that you make as a reader so I feel that it's almost, you know, I feel this sounds weird, but it's kind of almost a holy thing to me, that space of a book for a reader.
0: It's true. It's like like the only form of mental telepathy that we have, right? It's spilling out the insides of your mind that goes right into the insides of someone else's mind. Like, how else would you do that? TV, you're like, I don't know, I'm on my phone. I'm like, whatever. You know, this is like, and it also requires your complete attention or else you can't actually read. (laughs) So...
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. The absorption that comes with reading. Yeah, you can't cook and read at the same time. I
0: guess the audiobooks, uh, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's true, actually. Hmm. It's another whole discussion. Pretty
0: skilled. (laughs) Are you working on another novel
1: now? I am. I just sort of started. It's taken me a while to settle in. You know, the pandemic just, I mean, we've been really lucky in Australia, very, very lucky in terms of the scale. But it's certainly, you know, everyone was terrified and we had a big lockdown that you know has gone on for some parts of the country for a long time but so the mental focus was not there for a long time but I'm, I'm getting back into it now and the, the new one is going to be about in some way it's so embryonic that I, I don't really know anything about it yet but it's, it's going to involve nuns, Catholic nuns. I grew up Catholic and I've never really written about that part of my you know, the influences on me and I just thought mm, there's some interesting stuff there. That sort of tension between being in the world and being out of the world is really interesting to me. You know, the the kind of big capitalist world that the rest of us live in. But it's very early days, so who knows?
0: <laughs> Do you have any advice for aspiring authors?
1: I think my advice would be don't wait to start doing it. Just start because, you know, life is short. We We know that now more than ever. And so just... Dive in wherever you are, even if you don't have time, even if you are working full-time in a job. You know, my first several books were written when I had full-time work. I used to write on the couch at night or on the weekends. You don't need a space to work in. You All you need really at the most basic is a pencil and a piece of paper. So there's nothing stopping you but your own your own mind really. And, and it can be a home to go to it can be the most thrilling wonderful liberating thing to have in your life so I would just say don't wait and and the other thing I would say is just try and tell the truth that sounds weird when you're talking about fiction but write stuff that feels true to you not to please anybody else not to impress anybody else not for the market just because readers will respond when you are, are deeply connected and immersed in the work and I think a lot of new writers spend far too much time worrying about whether this kind of work will sell or you shouldn't write in first person because blah you know there's so many bits of really silly advice out there so I hope this is <laughs> another one of those but just you know start and and be sincere and put everything into it. Well,
0: thank you, Charlotte. Thank you for sharing your grief in this way that now comes and helps the rest of us. And yeah. thanks for your lovely, wonderful book and for introducing us to these characters.
1: Thank you so much, Zivi, for having me. And I would send lots of love to everyone in the States right now. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: And to Australia. We'll just send love to our entire nations. Why not? You know, (laughs) (laughs)
1: ambassadors
0: (laughs) ambassadors for the evening. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Thank you you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks again to today's sponsor, Sugar Wish. Send a surprise Sugar Wish to somebody you love and check it out yourself, sugarwish.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.